coming up on this episode of Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. Here we are, episode number three. My special guest today is Eric Smith, a.k.a. Rick Taylor from K107 and K-Hits, or Eric Wayne from KVOO and Kick99. Hey, Eric spent about 24 years behind the mic, up and down the radio dial. He's hosted a Red Dirt music show. He's worked as a private investigator and even became a Tulsa police officer. But there's more to Eric than just those things. He also is a great husband, a wonderful father, and he loves to sail. He's had some hardships in his life. We'll learn more about that as well. Plus, he's got some great radio stories I can't wait for you to hear. So, ladies and gentlemen, please make sure your seat backs and tray tables are in their full upright position. Make sure that seat belt is securely fastened. We are ready for takeoff. Welcome to the Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton podcast. Brought to you by Mojo Merchandise. Join radio veteran Rick Hampton and his guests for informative and entertaining discussions as they take you behind the scenes, behind the stories, behind the music, and more. Originating from the Big Daddy Studios, it's time to go behind the mic, and here's your host, Rick Hampton. We're kicking off episode number three. I am Rick Hampton, and thanks for joining me. I have got a great show for you coming up, and if you like what you hear, you don't want to miss an episode, it's easy to find us. Just go to Facebook and search Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. My special guest today has been up and down the radio dial for about 24 years. He uh, went by Rick Taylor. He also went by Eric Wayne. But my special guest today is Eric Smith. And I have a hard time calling you Eric <laughs> right, Smith right. because I called you Eric Wayne for so long because that was your air name. That was. So how long were you in radio from the time you started mm-hmm. till the time you got out? I started in 1984 and I left radio. I left KVOO and Big Country and, and those uh, in 2008. So 24 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know. Wow. I know. Man, right? That's a long time. It was a long time. I was just close to the gold watch, and yeah, I, right. I, got, I got out of it one year shy of that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, see, I didn't even know that. So, where did you yeah. first start? I first started at KVRO, Cowboy Varsity Radio of Oklahoma. Wow. It was on the strip in Stillwater, Stillwater Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Nice. I was. A, I had just graduated high school. I graduated high school in uh, spring of 84 and started my uh, freshman year at OSU and uh, started at that. It was a campus radio right. station. It was on the Strip above the Coney Island, but that's where I started because uh, wow. I was a journalism major and got started immediately in radio. In, in, so uh, what format was fall that? Fall of 84. It was kind of a rock and roll, college, college rock format. That was before CDs, so everything was on an album, and mm-hmm. so we queued up all the albums. Everything had cue burns on it and mm-hmm. stuff, and you know what that means. Um, so everything was on, uh, you know, all the, the commercials were on carts, mm-hmm. uh, the old carts that you had to rewind your, or wind yourself, uh, al- everything's on album and the good wow. old days. Yeah, man. that was the good old days actually. Man, I'm know, glad I learned all the stuff on there <laughs> because there's some things even now that most kids, and I call them kids because anybody yeah. that's in radio like that, that's younger, they just don't get, they don't Not understand that, you know, mystique behind it. Yeah. And, and the, the board was board. pots. Huge knobs, no sliders, uh, huge consoles, and big headphones. <laughs> so when you graduated from OSU, did you head to Tulsa? Yeah, my wife and I got married while we were in college. Wow, so let me do math. I wasn't expecting to do math yet, but that would be, what, 31 years? 31st. Wow anniversary big shout out to jen yeah so been a uh, long time since wife. i've seen her yeah. and <coughs> the kids too for that matter my gosh i i know man. they're all my what are they all are like 18 mid, 19 30s, 21 right? okay. i know I say, it's uh, amazing kids 18 19 uh 18 19 21 wow uh but yeah this uh this friday 31 years so my wife and i got married very young in college still together thank god 
Um, and what was your question now? I already forgot. When did Sorry, you dude. move to Tulsa? Oh, yeah. I uh, graduated. My wife is two years younger than me. but I So I started college in the fall of 84. She started later. <laughs> she graduated in 89, and I was on the seven-year plan. I graduated in 91, <laughs> and we moved to Tulsa in 93. She's from wow. Tulsa. Went to the Tulsa Hale. Hill Rangers. Graduated there. Um, and so we moved here in 93, and I started in radio here in Tulsa in 93. And where was that at? Uh, that was at K-Hits, 106.9. I was Rick Taylor doing the overnights. Wow, okay. Yeah. So was it K-Hits by then? It uh, No, actually, it when, I, when I first started, it was K-107, and Andy Barber was there. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after I started, like within six months, they switched to K-Hits. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. And Carly Rush was there at the right. time. Jan Dean? Uh, no, she had already left. Okay. Um, all I remember, I did the overnights. Uh, I think Chucky Stevens was there. Yeah, yeah, he Chuck did 7 to midnight. I did midnight to 6. Andy Barber did uh, 6 to 10. I think Carly did 10 to 2. And I can't remember who did afternoon drive. Now, did, uh, we just lost John Landers not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. Now, was he He was, was there. there? Okay. And he was, he was doing weekends there mm-hmm. and doing bingo. Colin yeah. Bingo during the week. I remember that, him. and then also right. doing uh, Fantasia as a little. Was he still doing that? Uh, I don't remember that DJ thing. He, we we were talking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking with uh, Sarah Woodard, and we yeah. were yeah, discussing yeah. Uh, John and how that um, you know he had this Fantasia thing, and a lot of people didn't know that that he had a DJ business. I didn't on the side, and he was nuts. I mean, you thought he was nuts <laughs> in the studio. Right, he right. was crazy good awesome. in person like that. So yeah, it was kind of interesting. There's a lot of people that, yeah. you know, know John well, but didn't know that he right. did the Fantasia thing. And so. I just remembered as we were talking, big Mark Clark did afternoon oh, right. drive. Yes. Three to three big to Mark seven. Clark. Big yeah. Mark Clark. I, remember I think that. he was the PD there too. Wow. Or no, Mike Ring was the PD there, but big Mark, I think did music or something there. He did wow. something there, but he did afternoon drive. So then once you left K-107 mm-hmm. or in K-Heads, mm-hmm. is that when you made the move over across town? Or? I did move across town, but uh, not to KVOO. I, I was at K-Heads from 93 to 95. Uh, in 95, I went over to, um, oh my gosh, where did I go? KRAV. Mm, okay. Uh, Which would later become Mix, Mix 96. 96 yeah. then was the KRAV. Um, so I went over there and... Um, I started there in 95. I did 7 to midnight until 98. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I came to KVOO yeah. in 98, I believe. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I know. So, that's, I mean, it's <laughs> funny because, you know, we, we talk about it and it doesn't seem out of the ordinary. But, right. you know, when you think about radio, uh, like I was there from 95 until 2007 okay. at KVOO. And yeah. so, for me, you know, that was the longest I'd ever been at any The longest place. I'd ever been at Station 2 you was know, when I was at KVO, yeah. almost 10 years. Um, and I think part of that was because the initial, when we when I first got there, Great Empire Broadcasting owned that out of Wichita oh, right. mm-hmm. with the two Mikes, uh, Mike yeah. Oatman and uh, Mike Lynch. Okay. But both of them were there, and it was such a family atmosphere, sure. and it was such a great time. I used to hear all the stories from other radio guys about sure. how many stations they'd been at and everything else, and growing up, I watched WKRP with... Uh, Johnny Fever, uh, Howard Hesman's, you know, character, and he would have to look at the mug to see what city he was in and that kind of thing. And so all those stories, you know, came about. And I remember thinking, wow, I'm still doing this. Mm. And I've been here since 1995. (laughs) I've been through like three or four GMs by now, you know. What was it that 
I guess, kind of drew you out of radio? Um, you know, was there a deciding factor that, hey, you know, I've kind of done this as much as yeah, I want to do know, it? When I started at KVOO, it's funny. Uh, that's the station I grew up listening to. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my house, that was what was on. Uh, I listened to Billy Parker. You know, you, I'm sure Absolutely. you're similar. Yeah. Um, so it's funny. Uh, you know, at that point, when I started at KVOO, I'd probably been in radio 15 years at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad uh, finally said, I made it. Mm. You made it, boy. And I always knew when I started at KVOO, when I left KVOO, I was either going to retire, whatever age, 60s or whatever, or I'd leave there and I'd never work in radio again. Because mm. to me, KVOO is the top. That was the hit. That, yeah, that was, was it, man. That was where it was at, yep. You know, and, and I still have the option, as you do too, to get back into radio. I just don't, and I love radio, and maybe someday I'll do it part-time, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to do it full-time anymore. I, I feel like I did KVOO and I did mornings there for a while, right. you know, and uh, to me, that was the top, man. Mm. That's where Billy Parker worked. My gosh, it doesn't get any bigger right. in, our, in my book than KVOO. When I left there in 2008, I'd been in radio 24 years, loved every day, every minute mm-hmm. of being in radio, but it was just time to move on. Man, I was in my mid-40s, and uh, it was just time to career change, right. time to make a career change. you know. Um, and I wasn't getting any younger, and so that was the decision. And management, of course, they wanted me gone anyway. Right. I mean, you know, so management kind of nudged me out the door, and I went out the door willingly and... Uh, haven't regretted it. I love, like I said, I loved every minute. Yeah. Loved every station I was at, but it was just so. To move on. Do you miss it? You know, there are times I miss it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a cop for a while too. I don't even know if you know that. And every once in a while, I say I miss being a cop, and my wife's like, "No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't, <laughs> son." And I, I think about it, and you're you're right. Yeah. I don't miss being a cop, but yeah. I do miss radio sometimes. Because mm-hmm. man, you know how it is. We got to do everything. We get so jaded because we got to go backstage and eat the food and be with the artists yeah. and hang out. And now. I'm so jaded I won't go to a concert unless I can go backstage and right. eat the food and stuff. Right. And it's like, ah, do you want to go see Bruce Springsteen? Well, can we get backstage? No. No. Well, well, I, ain't, I ain't going, yeah, man. Yeah, you know, if there. I can't hang with the boss, why am I going? <laughs> and that's sad to say that, right? right? But we get so used to the perks and all the fun we had because – the more you goofed off and the more you had fun, the better you sounded on the radio. So you were encouraged to goof off and have fun. When you leave that environment, you got to go to a real desk job, right. which I love, by the way. I love my job. It was just time to move on. I'd been 24 years. Time right. to go on. Toby and I talked about mm-hmm. was Billy and yeah. how that, I mean, he played a big role in his life. Mm-hmm before he even made it to radio to KBO or oh, really? any of those he said the same you know that the influence was there he learned a lot and I did too I mean that's that's probably the one thing that I learned from Billy and I will attribute to him every time is how to treat people in radio definitely because definitely. you know and, and I said it and I'll say it again and that is is that when you talk to Billy you were the only person talking to Billy exactly there there could be hundreds around you but you mm-hmm. were the focus. That's it. He made you feel like a million bucks. Exactly. And that's what he said. He said, you know what? That's the key right there. Nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure they feel like a million bucks and that you pay attention to them because they're the ones that put you there and they're the ones that are going to keep you on the radio. So yeah. they're going to yeah. keep you in the public. So always treat them that way. So that was probably my biggest influence in radio was Billy Parker because I had grown up listening to him and then to meet him and then to actually work with him. Yeah. I learned so much from him. Who was your biggest influence in radio? You know, uh, Billy Parker was is up there. And it's funny that you say all those good things about Billy. That's the number one takeaway I have from Billy Parker, too. He taught you how to treat people. Mm-hmm. You thought that uh, Billy was your best friend. 
And yep. that's the way Billy treated you. Whether he even knew your name or not, <laughs> he acted like you were his best friend and thank you for coming out and we appreciate it. He was the best at that. Agreed. If I saw him today, he may not even remember. I haven't seen him in 10 years, but he'd sure act like he remembered me even if mm-hmm. he didn't. He's just like that. Um, my biggest, uh, it's funny uh, that you say my biggest uh, radio influence, and this is going to sound strange, um, but one of the reasons I got into radio is my older brother. Mm. He's five years older than me. He, he graduated Oklahoma State while I was still in high school, and he was a journalism major. It's, he works in TV. He's worked mm. in TV since uh, he graduated. Gosh, I think he graduated college in 84, 83. Wow. Uh, 83, 84, right around there. And he's worked at Channel 4 in Oklahoma City since then, since that day he graduated. He's a director up there. Uh, but in college, he did radio. But I'm the youngest of three, and so I always looked up to my bigger brother, mm-hmm. older brother, and man, you know, he always walked on water. And uh, so when he was on the radio, I'd listen to him all the time. That's the coolest thing. Yeah. I want to be just like you. So honestly, I got into radio and did all that because of him. Nice. And I wanted to be like my big brother. Nice. And then I got into it and loved it, and, and he moved on to TV, which is cool, which is what he loved. I stayed in radio, which is what I love. But really, my biggest radio influence is probably my brother. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. So, yeah. Terry. That's cool. See, yeah, yeah, I started to say, Terry, I remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah, see, I didn't know he was in, I don't guess I remember that he was in radio. Yeah, I just he did, knew uh, whenever he was in TV. Yeah, he did, he did college radio for probably about four years there at OSU, and nice. then moved into TV, and Nice. That's, uh, I used to listen to him every day. Yeah, every well, he's day. good at the TV thing. That's he's for great sure. at TV. Yeah, he and, is. He's uh, excellent yeah, at that. Yeah. I will tell you that. Okay, so we've kind of talked about your history mm-hmm. as far as you know the past and things like that. What is the weirdest or strangest listener story you've got? And wow. it doesn't have to be from KVOO. It doesn't have to be when we work together. Even um, it could have been before that. But what is your strangest one that you might tell all the time? Man, listener story, strange listener story. God, there's been a there's been a lot of them. Um, I used to just make things up on the radio, uh, as we all did, and you might remember. It seemed like one guy started at KVOO. I was wearing some. Uh, you may know the story. I'm getting ready to tell. I was wearing some scrubs from when my daughter was born, or my son, or I don't remember whatever. I think his name was his name James. James. Was it James? Yes. And he was like, "How you doing, brother?" And I was like, "All right, man." He's like, "You here to be a DJ?" I said, "Yeah, you know." And he's like, "Are you a doctor?" Yeah. Yes, I sure am. <laughs> and so I just started making up all this stuff, and I think you were a part of that. It, and, and you he did have a that. pager, by the way. Did I? You did have oh, a pager. I don't See, remember I that. Remember, but no, I remember, I remember that. Hey, and right. I will tell you, it was actually his first day. Was it? You okay. were training him because okay. he it, it was right after Steve Jeffries left and he started seven to midnight. Okay. And so you were training because you were doing afternoons on Kick ninety nine then. Gotcha. Or ninety nine five the bull sure. or whatever it was then. And so um, but we were in that tiny little closet of a studio. Oh, yeah, I think by I the newsroom. And it literally was the closet for a yeah, while. It yeah. was like a supply closet that they cleared out and put <laughs> yeah. a studio in there. Yeah. And so <laughs> you were wearing scrubs, and I don't even really know why. I mean, I, I just I'm had them because sure, one, yeah. one of my kids was born. I just had them laying right. around, and they're comfortable. I threw them on, man. Right. I don't know. But you did own a pager because that was <laughs> that was what funny. sealed the deal because right. he kept asking me, and so of course I'm I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> sure. You know, he just does this part time. I mean, he's saving lives during the day, you know, overnight or whatever. And then he comes in here and does a shift and then he goes back to work, man. Yeah. 
And so, <laughs> man, we that's right. We had perpetuated that lie for, a long gosh, time. I don't know how long. A long time. I mean, it was, I think it was one of those things even he found out kind of after the statute of limitations ran oh, out. Right, right? Because, right, I mean, right. it was like, you know, he just all of a sudden, <laughs> poof. So that brings me to the next one then. Right. My favorite story of yours is the wooden toe uh, story. Yeah. yeah, that still comes up uh, now and again. And I don't even remember how that started. Uh, I, I know I've broken my, my left big toe. I have no keep score. But honestly, I've broken my left big toe probably twenty times, mm-hmm. and and that when they when I first broke it, uh, I'd had young kids at the time, and I didn't have the money to go to the doctor and get it set, and so obviously it never got set correctly, uh, and so it breaks real easy, literally real easy. Mm-hmm. I could stub my toe here, and it would break. Um, and so I, I guess at one point I, we were going to Silver Dollar City or something, <laughs> and somebody uh, asked me what I was doing. I said I was getting a new toe whittled or something. Yes. I forget even how that yeah. came up, but then it, it, that just kind of came to be the go-to thing after a while. Well, let me like tell getting you, a new toe whittled at Silver Dollar City. You had come back, and the, and one of the first people was James Kelly. He was uh, the Kelly, guy that's who did his last name. Yeah, you know, yeah. rest his soul. Yeah. That became it piqued his interest for some reason. For some reason, he latched hold of that, and so he asked a bunch of people to the point where it finally got to Randy Bush. Oh no! And Randy oh, actually no. thought that you had oh, had no. a toe whittled oh, out of no. wood because most people would not go against <laughs> your word. You were not known for making up stories necessarily right. like right. that. So. Well, if Eric says that he went to you know Silver Dollar City, I mean, if yeah. somebody actually told you in the real world that story, you'd be like, whatever, yeah, right. really, yeah. seriously, come on now. But in radio, yeah, yeah it's yeah, possible. Exactly. I mean, you know, there's some artisan in downtown Silver Dollar City right now whittling you a toe. And and every and, few years or however so often, I'd be going back and they'd be like, "What are you doing?" Well, I had a termite infestation. I'm a big toe. Got to get a new one. Yep. You know, I was swimming a lot and, you know, wood wood and and water will swell up and, you know, crack. So you got to get a new wooden toe every once in a while whittled at Silver Dollar City. And it just became this thing. I I think I'm pretty sure. Didn't you call it a tone up or something like that? I could be, man. Instead of a tune up. I got to go back to Branson for a tone up or something like that. I was like, oh, Uh, maybe, maybe. It was just crazy. (laughs) You know, there was a guy who uh, was a conspiracy theorist that worked there for a while, too. I want to say his name was Greg. But he didn't last long, and he was yeah. he was just a board op. He was the same guy that you know was kind of like James in the aspect of he kind of believe anything. But he was a conspiracy theorist. So John Landers told him one time that there were cameras in every one of the thermostats <laughs> oh, no. in the building because they were Johnson control thermostats, and they were just a little right. small box, but they had this little tiny hole in there, <laughs> and so it worked great. Right. So John nice. had him convinced that nice. you know the big brother, the man, was watching everything in every studio. Right. So you know, be careful what you do, man. They're watching you. They're keeping a tight rein on you. Yeah, out of out of Wichita. Oh lordy. And I don't want to speak speak ill of uh, James Kelly, but I got to tell a story, and I won't tell all the details. But he was on the air one night, seven to midnight or midnight to six, whatever he did, and he got a butt whooping on the air, a, a butt whooping. He did on the air, and that's I don't want to say any more details, but yeah, he, he got was, uh, jacked up. He did. There was a situation, <laughs> a situation. and I and I and I won't yeah, either. But exactly. I will I say know. I remember I got a call. It was like eleven. 11 o'clock at night. It I'm was late. Yeah. Leaving Tulsa City Limits one <laughs> night. We had done a remote there with KVOO. He was on Kick 99. I get this phone call on the cell phone, and I'm like, hey, you know, what's up? And he goes, uh, man, can you come back to the radio station? I've been hit. I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, I've been hit. Can you come back to the radio station? I need you back here right now. 
I was like, well, I'm actually headed back there to bring the van back. So, yeah, I'm coming back. Okay, man. So the whole way back, I'm thinking, okay, I've been hit. Has he been physically struck? Or was it like me where I would throw in a couple of tracks and drive down to the convenience store there at uh, 31st right. and Yale and then yeah, come yeah. back? Sure. And I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe he was in the intersection. He got T-boned or something. Oh, my gosh, you know, crazy or whatever. I get back. Nope. He's back at the studio. When I pull in... <laughs> I had kind of a physical confrontation with a couple of people in the parking lot. I said, hey, man, you know, this is is private property. You need to go ahead and move on, you know, going down the road. I get inside. He had physically been hit. And not (laughs) only had he been hit, but he had been cut from like just below his eye down to about his chin. Really? Wow. I didn't know that uh, By a broken CD. (laughs) Oh, jeez. So, yeah, there was an altercation (laughs) or two, and it was crazy. So that that was probably the craziest for me. Uh, My story, I think, for that time period was our first year doing Country Fever, Mm -hmm. 2003, I think it was. I think it was 2003 or 2004, somewhere in there. Mm. We were giving away passes. Uh, a guy won on my show. So I gave him passes. Well, whenever I was getting his information so he could come pick up the tickets from the radio station, he was telling me his story, how he was a single dad. He was in the military. you know. So I wound up getting another pass or so so that they could all go together. Uh, all right. I'm on the air, and I remember, you know, it was so hot in that in that little shed that oh, yeah. we did remotes yeah. from. I mean, it was terrible, you know. It was like 150 degrees, yep. and I'd been out there all afternoon long, so it was humid, too, so it was even worse. And I remember I'm drenched in sweat, and I'm looking out, and here comes this whole group of people headed my way with white T-shirts on. Mm-hmm. And as I get closer, I realize that they're all handmade T-shirts, from this guy and these kids wow. they had all made their own t-shirts and they all said like you know we love kvoo nice. on it and then the back said thanks big daddy cool, cool and they told me the story that he was like i would have never been able to do this for my wow. kids you wow. know winning the passes were awesome so he gave me his military coin oh wow that he has wow. and i still have that i mean that's probably one of my most prized possessions because yeah. you know those don't get given out just right. you know on a whim i mean those are right. something that's a very special thing and and, you know, I don't even know the guy. I don't know his name or anything else. But if he were to listen or if he would hear this, I will tell you, I still have that coin. Wow. To me, that was probably one of the coolest things. That and then probably all the radiothons we did sure. for yeah. Children's Miracle yeah. Network and for uh, St. Jude. <laughs> Those I mean, were tough weeks, but they were uh, gratifying, really tough weeks. very gratifying. It was always rough for me for little bitty kids, you know, six sure. and eight years old to have to know any of that lingo or that jargon. Right you know, associated with that. And and typically they could explain it better than their mom or dad could. Of course. And that's such a tragedy. That's horrible. You know, it's terrible. But (laughs) one more radio thing. All right. And this is this. Do you believe when another picture that I came across the other day was all five of us and it was the air staff at the time. Do you remember mall matrimony? Yeah, I remember Promenade Mall. we wore those tuxes and got yes. people married there at Promenade Mall, yeah. Yeah, for Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, um, Sonny and Gene and yep. Andy, me, you, yeah. Yeah, so I have the I have found that picture the other day in my awesome. pictures, too, of yeah. all of us standing on the stage with our with yeah. our tuxes on. I had on really long tails, yes. really, really long, long tails. Tail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I remember we went and got fun. fitted for tuxes, right? and you were like, I think I'm going to do tails. Yeah, well, well why not? Sure. I mean, it's free, why not? <laughs> do it, you know? Yeah, I remember that. So, um, but uh, yeah. 
yeah, that was a crazy yeah. one too. I thought, yeah. you know, gosh, they don't do stuff like that very often oh, anymore. Man. Can you imagine that though? I know. Um, we thought it was crazy because we would <laughs> we married. I don't know how many couples, but it was a lot. a lot. I mean, there was like fifty or something couples, and then yeah. and then the winner of the contest part of it, the last wedding of the day, and they got flowers, and yeah, decorations, like and a reception, a yeah, and yeah. all kinds of stuff. But yeah. it was like the last wedding of the day, and it was just crazy. It was yeah. like right there in the. Yeah. I think where Santa uh, usually yeah, is in promenade. Right that's where they do yeah, that. Yeah, so that's right, crazy. Yeah. All right. So radio wise, you know, you had a great career, yeah. um, and then you moved on. Mm-hmm. What did you move on to? When I uh, when I first left KVOO, my dad. Growing up, my dad was a, a reserve deputy sheriff in Payne County, which is Stillwater. And then when he retired. He uh, owned his own security company, so he did security guard type stuff. And so when I left radio, I was like, well, I kind of have an interest in that. Uh, Let me go that route see how that works. And so I became a private eye, private investigator, and did private investigations all over the state of Oklahoma, some in Texas, some in Kansas City. And then that led me into, I did that for a while, and then that led me into, well, let's just go the extra mile and become a full full-blown cop oh wow and so went through cleat training became a you know cop here in tulsa and that didn't work (laughs) all of a sudden it becomes real man people out on the streets want to shoot you and stab you and everything and uh so i you know being a cop you really have to have a calling for that Mm -hmm. and it became real evident real quick it was not my calling and i knew somebody was going to get hurt either i was going to hurt somebody or i was going to hurt myself and so i was always stressed um, and so I'd come home at night stressed and couldn't sleep having, and when I did sleep, I'd have nightmares. I probably wasn't treating my wife and kids very well. And so it's time to make a change. Mm-hmm. So I did law enforcement for about four years and then it's like, no, but I enjoyed it all. I mean, it was great, but uh, it just wasn't my calling, right. but I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I, I became a, a, an officer. I'm very proud of that. And uh, I'm very proud of the fact that when you become an officer, they make you run all these obstacle courses and you have to run a mile mm-hmm. in like 30 seconds and all this other junk. Uh, they only have one test, whether you're 18 years old or 44, which was what I was. Mm. And by God, I passed it at age nice. 44 along with the 18-year-olds. We started with a class of 115 and only 11 graduated, wow. and I was one of those 11. I'm very proud of that. that so, uh, cool. And my career just didn't didn't work out, and that's okay. But uh, I'm very proud of that period wow. of time, and I'm glad yeah, I did. See, I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know about the cop. I I knew about right? the private eye thing, and I yeah, knew you yeah. were very secretive about that. You really yeah. didn't make a, you know, that known either. Yeah, but it, was, it was all undercover work, yeah. all undercover, right. scary. Wow. Most ninety nine percent of it very boring and bland, and this sucks. Uh, then that one percent, a huge adrenaline right. rush, like jumping out of an airplane. Oh wow! You ready? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Absolutely. Wow. Hey, coming up, we have got more with Eric Wayne. We're going to go a little deeper with his life and kind of what he's up to now. Plus, yep, still share some of those radio stories with you. It's coming up. And if you like what you hear, hey, don't miss an episode. Jump on over to Facebook right now and search Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. You'll find all the information plus pictures from this episode that I'll be sharing on there as well. Just search Facebook Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. Don't go anywhere. More of the Behind the Mic podcast is next. I'm Mo. And I'm Sheila Joe, And we're Mojo Merchandise. Mojo Merchandise was created by two friends with a craft passion. We love to make things as gifts like baby shower presents, wedding shower presents, party decorations, and balloon bouquets. There is nothing we can't do once we put our mind to it. We specialize in vinyl printed t-shirts, home decor signs, pillowcases, cups, and much more. If you have a favorite scripture or a mom saying you want on a t-shirt or sign, we've got you covered. If you have an idea or needing a gift, let Mojo Merchandise make exactly 
exactly what you need. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. Thanks, Candace. We are back with episode three, talking to my friend Eric Smith. You may know him better as Rick Taylor from K Hits and K107, or as I do, and Eric Wayne from Kick99 and KVOO in Tulsa. Now, I want to talk about a motto that you have for your life. Um, it's, it's everywhere. If you're on your Facebook page, you see it. Um, you usually have an anchor somewhere on you. Um, but the motto is, I refuse to sink. I know that you kind of developed a love for sailing, and then later on it would have a deeper meaning. Even sitting here now, I see an anchor on your hat. Ah, there you go. I got the, I got the little anchor right there on my right. hat. I always have an anchor on me somewhere right. at all times. Tell everybody. Um, you know, um, I discovered sailing late in life. Uh, my father-in-law, <clears throat> who lives out on Keystone Lake, uh, bought a sailboat years ago. And he bought it. Uh, he just lives right off the lake, but he's in his 70s. And he was like, I bought this sailboat because I really want to sail. And it turns out it was too much for him mm-hmm. to get out and sail by himself. He couldn't launch it. He couldn't control it. It was just too much. He was too too old. Right. And it was just too much and too big. It sat on his property for years. Every time we'd go out there and he'd call and say, hey, man, take the sailboat out. I'd never been on a sailboat in my life. I had no interest in it. Nothing. But I got so... Got to where he would ask me all the time, and finally I just said, all right, I'll take it out. I feel bad that you bought the sailboats and never been in the water once. Just to appease you, I'll take it out. And I fell in love with sailing. Right. Oh my gosh, I fell in love with sailing. So my wife and I bought a couple boats, <laughs> and we go sailing all the time. That is our passion. We go when it's nice out. We go sailing twice a week. We go out sailing. My wife works downtown. I work downtown as well. Uh, so we get off work at five o'clock. We keep our main sailboat at Ulaga Lake. We can be on our boat in thirty minutes from the drive to work to on our boat in 30 minutes and have it launched. It's, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's in the slip, so we can have it launched in about five minutes. So during uh, the nice months, which start about March, we'll do a, uh, an evening sail in the middle of the week, like uh, you know, like Wednesday, Thursday. We'll go take a, a sunset sail and, a, and starry night. So nice. it's nice, romantic, once a week in right. the middle of the week. And then we go sailing either all day Saturday or all day Sunday. Uh, but the way the, uh, the the phrase came along, I don't even know where I got that phrase, or, but I do know what it's attached to is uh, Easter Sunday of 2015. Uh, I, got, I got, I don't know if you say that, I caught it, whatever you right. want to say. Uh, I got cancer. And so that just kind of became my catchphrase. Like, uh, I refuse to sink. It was attached to an anchor in the boat. uh, And I'm just not going to let this thing take me down. What was that like? I mean, you kind of joke that I got it or I received it or whatever. But I guess share with everybody, what was your thought process at that point? I mean, sure. Uh, You know, uh, here's the deal. You know, I've always been someone who goes to church every Sunday and been involved in the church and all that, and that's all good and well. But some things sometimes happen in your life, and you don't want to question God, but sometimes you do. Mm-hmm. Easter Sunday, 2015, my wife and I were headed to church, all three of the kids in the car. My wife's driving. We dropped the kids off at the church. We actually went to the church, and my wife's like, oh, I forgot something. Let's drop the kids off, go back home, got to get it. So we dropped the kids off at the church. We went back home to get whatever she needed to get. We're driving westbound on the Broken Air Expressway. We get off right there at the off-ramp at Harvard. We come down to the bottom of that off-ramp. We are facing westbound at a red light, getting ready to turn left. Our church is at 34th and Harvard, Christ United Methodist Church. Light turns green. My wife is driving. She pulls out into the intersection. A guy heading northbound on Harvard Avenue runs his red light and slams into our mm. van. Slams right into right in front of my wife's door, luckily, and then it pushed us across a couple lanes and pinned my door 
up against a light pole there. I was actually on the phone, luckily, I guess, I don't know, it scared my youngest son Ty to death. I think he was probably 15 at the time. I was on the phone with him when this happened. I was talking to him going, hey, we're about back at the church. My, you know, Mom had to get something. And I'm on the phone. This wreck happens, pushes up us up against the light pole, you know, airbags go off. I get knocked out. The impact of the airbags along with smoke and everything else, uh, when I woke up, I couldn't breathe. But the impact flew, made the phone fly out of my hands. So my son, Ty, is on the phone listening. He's at church, just right down the road. Mm-hmm. He's listening. All he hears is this huge clang, clash, commotion. And then he hears my wife, Jennifer, saying, Eric, wake up. Wake up, Eric. Wake mm-hmm. up. And I finally wake up, and I can't breathe. And she's saying, breathe, Eric. And so my son, Ty, knows we've been in a car accident and I'm right down the road. And for all he knows, I'm about to die because I'm not waking up and I'm not breathing. Right. So I wake up, cough, start breathing. I can't get out of the car because I'm pinned in up against this light pole. Uh, Ambulance comes, get my wife and I out of there. I think they cut me out. Not that there was so much damage they had to cut me out, but I was just pinned up against the pole. Right. Because I wasn't hurt that bad. I mean, I had some injuries, but not, not bad. So they take us to St. John's. In the meantime, my son is on, you know, he'd heard all this happening mm. and he's telling people in the church and, and he gets a ride down, you know, a half a mile away and he's at the scene. Uh, my two boys both at the scene and then they got my daughter and she came. So all the kids are at the scene, which was crazy. Um, and they take us to St. John's Hospital. Okay. My injuries were concussion and mainly chest injuries. Mm. So not that you question God, but sometimes you question God and you start saying, you're in the hospital room all banged up due to no fault of your own. And you start saying, why did you put me here? Mm. Why did you have this happen to me? Mm-hmm. Well, I found out. They did a bunch of tests on me because I had a lot of chest injuries, things like that, head injuries. They found out due to those tests they ran that I had cancer. Mm. Had I not been in that accident, I'd just still be sitting here or I might not be sitting here today. Right. Uh, the type of cancer I had, my doctor initially, or you know, he told me that the kind of cancer I had, it would not have manifested itself until about a month before I died. He wow. said about a month before I died that I would have got sick, thought I had the flu, kind of stayed at home for a week or two thinking I had the flu. It would have got worse and worse. I would have eventually gone to the doctor. They would have probably taken a week to do all the tests and figured it out, and then I would have been dead within another week. Wow. So had it not been for that accident, may or may not be here right now. Right. So don't, don't question God. Right. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's human to think that. But of course. Yet, but, you know, it's in his timing and his, his will, and that's the thing. You were telling me that you're going again mm-hmm. for more tests. So Yeah. Is this an ongoing thing a lot? or Because I remember there was a time there uh, you were talking about uh, you were in remission or you had mm-hmm. been to several appointments. Right. So has it returned? Um, or Yes and no. I had to have surgeries and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I had kidney cancer, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I went through the process. Uh, and when you have cancer, they don't just, you know, take the cancer out or do your tests and then send you home and yeah. go... Hope you All right. a healthy life. Good job. Yeah. Here we go. You go back every three months mm-hmm. and you take CAT scans and you draw blood. I mean, it's every three right. months. You you go religiously. Uh, I think you do that for three years. <clears throat> and then I think after three years, if you're good, they do it once a year. I went through all that in 2015, and then so every three months I'm going back, you know, so they're doing CAT scans to make sure it hasn't returned Mm -hmm. or whatever. In June of 2016, they said I was cancer-free. So June 2016, things are great, cancer-free, everything's good. But you still got to go back every three months, like I said, for about a couple, three years. Mm Mm-hmm. 
My doctor told me uh, that my cancer, uh, it was not due to anything I did. It wasn't due to smoking. I was not a smoker. It wasn't due to my diet. I just had the type of cancer that you they don't know how it came about, but I just got it. It just happens. Uh, yeah, and that's yeah. a bad day in the doctor's office when right. they tell you you got cancer. That's yeah. not the funnest day you've ever had in your life. Right. So June of 2016, I'm cancer-free. I'm going to the you know radiologist and everybody every three months. And uh, I believe that lasted six months. I think it was December of 2016, November, December, right around in there, that I go in for more tests. And they're like, well... Your kidney, you're, you're cancer-free. But my doctor told me all along, the kind of cancer I had, he said, if it's going to spread, it'll spread into one of the L's. Liver, lymph nodes, lungs. Mm. So a little over a year ago, November, December 2016, right around in there, routine CAT scan, whatever it was. Your kidney's all right, but we got, we got some lung problems. And not only that, but it's in a bad spot. Going in and removing it or doing whatever would actually, at this stage, cause more damage. So they just put me on a holding pattern. And you go every three months. So now I'm going to a kidney doctor every three months. Now I'm going to a lung doctor every three months. Mm. And it's one of those things. They caught it early. You know, because the CAT scan three months ago, I didn't have anything. Right. And all of a sudden, the next one, I've got it. So they've caught it early. Mm-hmm. Not that any cancer is good, but there are worse cancers than right. others. And lung cancer is not a good one, man. Right. The kidney cancer I had is pretty curable. The lung cancer is not as curable. It's, it's, it's a bad one. We, we got it early. At least we found it early. Started going to a lung cancer specialist. Uh, going there every three months. And, uh, you know... Just through when I first was diagnosed with cancer and told, I kept it very private. Only right. my family knew that was it. Right. And it mm-hmm. was going to be my private thing I'm going through. And then eventually, when I would talk to people, you know, it's like the power of prayer is too big to deny. Mm-hmm. You can't deny that. Right. So one day I just put it out there on Facebook. Here's what I'm going through. And everybody responded. And then there, you know, people would send me nice notes and things like that. And then I cancer-free, everybody's on my side, everything's good. Then when it came back, I put it out there again. And so I'm going to this lung cancer specialist, and I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I think I do, but I don't know what it is. But the last few times I've been back, I still have it, but it's actually shrinking. And that doesn't happen very often. That's right. I, I, I don't know. You know, we still have it. It's still in a bad spot, and the 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 only way they can, the only way they're willing to go in and start messing with it is once it grows to a certain size, mm-hmm. which is also bad. Right. But three months ago, it is still shrinking, and that just doesn't happen. Right. With cancer, Eric, I'm a firm believer in the power of prayer. I work for a church, and I and I live that, and I have. Um, uh, for quite some time now, uh, I've been in the ministry now for uh, since probably around 2008, 2009. Right. And um, I firmly believe in the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. And I think that the more people you have praying and that who earnestly pray for you, mm-hmm. uh, I believe that. And I, I believe that is God working in your life to shrink that. Because I believe he so has too. other things for yeah. you. I know that you're proud of your family. I, I love uh, watching the uh, Facebook posts. You know, oh, yeah. My son made the football team. Yeah. He was a kicker. I mean, yeah, he was a kicker. I, know, I mean, that's right. just incredible. He'd I never played football awesome. a day in his life, and he got on the football team at his senior year, and uh, he was always a soccer player. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he was like, you know what? The the, the kicker on the football team graduated. They're going to need a kicker. You think I could do it? I was like, well, most of those guys are soccer players. Mm-hmm. And so what's really funny is uh, a friend of mine, Jason Starosky, 
Um, used to be a kicker for uh, the Patriots for years, then the Jets, and I think the Broncos, too. I apologize, Jason, if I got that wrong. I know the Patriots and Jets, but it's like, well, if you're going to do this, let's do it right. And right. so we got Jason. He lives in Tulsa. We got Jason to uh, coach Ty. Nice. Because it's a little bit of a kicking, sure. different, little different motion. Uh, but Ty had never played football a day in his life, and he went out and he made the team uh, as a senior at Edison High School, and uh, he went out and kicked, and he uh, he made a 53-yarder, never played football a day in his life, and uh, the, at the end of the season, they do all district players, like the district running back of the year. Nice. You know, this is for the whole district, yeah. not just the team, and he won district kicker Sweet. of the year. That's awesome. Very proud of him, and the only, the only scary part is uh, a kicker doesn't normally have to tackle somebody mm-hmm. unless you know they get past everybody right. else. So that was my only concern. He doesn't know how to tackle. He doesn't know how to take a hit. And Ty's not the biggest kid in the world. He's like five. Well, now he's probably like five eight, but a buck and a quarter. He's right. teeny. He's not a big kid. Right. He's a kicker. He's a kicker. <laughs> and uh, so one day we're over there playing uh, like East Central, I, I think. And he kicked off, man, and he kicked it into the end zone, and this t- kid took it out of the end zone, and, and this kid's running all the way back. And I'm like, oh, no. no. <laughs> and these are big 18-year-old mm-hmm. kids. I mean, I, uh, kids, these are right. adults. This kid running this yeah. ball back is probably, you know, six foot and 200 pounds, <laughs> and he's running full steam at Ty. And Ty took him on, and Ty hit him. Didn't stop him. Right. <laughs> Ty got put on his butt, but he tried, man. Hey, I mean, that's right. No and kidding. he got up, that's awesome. and the, everybody on the, you know, the kid scored, but everybody on team gave Ty high fives because he tried, man. And, uh, but That's he did awesome. real good. He was, I was very proud of him. He'd never done that in his life. He went out, took the initiative, and he did that. And uh, yeah, I was very proud of him. That's awesome. So one of the things that we didn't touch on, but I know that it's important, and it's going to come up again here in a minute with the speed rounds because we're almost <laughs> all done. Right, all right. But we have to do a speed round of okay. questions. All right. One of the things we didn't touch on with you was your love for Red Dirt music. Oh, yeah, yeah. And how yeah. I, I, well, that was one of the things that was a great show. I loved the Red Dirt Radio yeah, Hour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with, uh, with the boys from uh, Red Dirt Rangers. Red Dirt Rangers. Yeah. Um, I love that. Plug you guys, Brad and John. That was yeah. so cool. I, yeah. I loved the show. One of the things that uh, I loved about the show was the different types of music. Oh, yeah. Um, I loved whenever we got the uh, opportunity to do acoustic stuff. Oh, of course. Because um, yeah. to me, that's I love, love acoustic stuff. I was just watching a exactly. video, uh, Marty Stewart and his guys. Oh, yeah, he was here yesterday doing, at the yeah. Woody Guthrie Center, I think. And they were doing a uh, Running Down the Dream by Tom Petty. You see it on Very Facebook, cool. watch it. It is the coolest thing. It is a great, <laughs> great deal. Was that probably, you think, that was one of your highlights? Uh, uh, definitely. You think, I'm probably more proud of that show uh, than anything. And what's weird is this will tell you how much pull I had. I went to the GM and said, man, I'd love to do this red dirt show. Cause some of my friends play red dirt music, the great divide and mm-hmm. ragweed and some other guys. And the GM was like, Nope, I ain't doing that. Yeah. Uh-uh, ain't no. going to happen. And then along come these hicks lovingly, uh, John and Brad who didn't work at the radio station. They just came up and said, Hey, you know, and, and all of a sudden it's a show. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Not because Eric. <laughs> right. It was because of John and Brad. And luckily, I knew them from back in college and, and growing up in Stillwater. They're a few years older than me, but we knew each other in Stillwater. And so luckily, they asked me to engineer and stuff. And so right. I was a part of it. Just because It was all their show. Right. And But I was just lucky to be just... You know, yeah, but you know there. what? I mean, I, I started <clears throat> to say after after a bit though, and it really just a little bit. It really became the three of you guys. I think show. so too. I mean, I think so too. really, you know, because 
uh, they were always on the lookout for talent. Plus, mm-hmm. they were, you know, they were had the band, the Red Dirt Rangers, but they didn't want it to be about them all the time. Right. And so they really wanted to feature a lot of these, you know, artists. So when you look at that dynamic, it was actually a very interesting dynamic because you got two guys who want to host the show mm-hmm. about the very genre that they're playing. Right. Right. But they're wanting to feature. Other, other people. artists, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. that ought to tell you something, that, right. uh, the love of that music. <laughs> Be thinking along those lines, right, because in I'll just try. a minute, right. uh, I'm going to put you on the spot All right. when we go to the speed round. So we're going to take a little bit of a break, and then we're going to come back with the speed round of questions. Cool. Want to hear more? You can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, and Google Play Music. Become a part of the discussion. Join us on Facebook. Search Behind the Mic with Rick Hayes. Behind the Mic Speed Round. Speed round. All right, it is time for the Behind the Mic Speed Round, and in the hot seat is Eric Wayne. And uh, Eric, just all you have to do is just answer it as quickly as you can. We'll just go question after question, all right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's put two minutes on the clock, and your time starts when I ask the first question. I'll try my best. All right, if you could live anywhere on the planet, where would it be? Uh, Jamaica. Nice. Is Bigfoot real? Yes. What superpower would you choose? Uh, uh, Presto Changeo. That's my superhero name. Whatever I want, if I see a car I want it, I reach into my pocket. I always have exact change for whatever I want. I'm Presto Changeo. If I want that house over there, I reach into my pocket and have exact change to buy that house. I'm Presto Changeo with my superpower, exact change. Nice. I've thought about that. I started to say you have thought about that one. (laughs) Favorite food? Catfish. Favorite movie of all time? No Time for Sergeants, which is an mm-hmm. old Andy Griffith, yep. Don Knotts uh, movie. Um, oh, my gosh. I can't even think of the name now. The uh, the British guys, um, they bang the coconuts together. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Monty Python. Monty Python, the yep. Holy Grail. Those two are probably nice. my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Ask permission or beg forgiveness? Beg forgiveness. Yes. I knew that was the one. <laughs> uh, you know, when you're the stepchild of radio stations, you yeah, ask for forgiveness later. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Texting or talking? Uh, talking. A nickname your parents used to call you? Uh, Rick. My real name is Eric. Right. But when I was born, the only person that called me Eric from the day I was born is my dad. I was born in 1965, and at that time, Ricky Nelson was the number one entertainer, both on the TV show, Father Knows Best, and he had his music, and that was my mom's favorite entertainer. Ricky Nelson's real name is Eric. Eric. So I was named after Ricky Nelson. My real name's Eric, but they called me Rick. Your biggest phobia? Uh, I'm claustrophobic. If I'm in a place I can't get out of, mm-hmm. then I, I freak if out. If I recall, I think there was a slight crisis in an elevator with you once. Yeah, I did get stuck in an elevator yeah. at ORU. Yeah. Like a, a way up there, too, mm-hmm. like on the 60-some-odd floor. What weapon would you use in a zombie apocalypse? My Glock. Nice. Uh, I got a Glock 40. All right. So my <laughs> final question is this. All right. Can you remember the lyrics to the Red Dirt Radio Hour? Um. It's the Red Dirt Radio Hour. Mm-hmm. It's the Red Dirt Radio Show. Kick back and let the good times roll. Mm, that one's going to be close. I'm going to defer that one to the judges. We've dug back in the archives, and here's Little Texas with the Red Dirt Radio Hour theme.
the judges say it's close enough. Congratulations. Good job. <laughs> so how did that become about? I mean, was that just something you guys just they, I mean, they wrote, just it. wrote it? They okay. wrote it. Um, and they recorded it before we even started the show, of course, because that was the theme song to the show. And it's cool because, uh, you know, we, we recorded those shows only one time a month. Mm-hmm. We'd get together like on a Thursday night and we'd record four shows that ran on Sundays. So we just got together once a month. But, you know, working at KVOO, we'd have artists coming in there every week or doing whatever. And so whenever an artist would come through, when Taylor Swift came through there, Lone Star, and I remember Tim McGraw once. I mean, we'd had mm-hmm. all these artists. Phil Vassar did it on a keyboard. And yeah. Yeah, it was a very cool thing. You know what? I am so thankful that you came out. I I have had a ball reliving some of the old memories and just talking to you about your life, man. I mean, you, you know, the, there were some things I didn't even know. I appreciate it. I'm sorry I was late. I was almost an hour late. It's Rick right. was gracious and said, oh, I, no, worry about it. No big deal. See, I figured <laughs> it was just it's just one of those, you know, your chance man. to do that radio star thing uh, again. Yeah, that you know, was That it. entertainer thing. I was Kenny Chesney tonight. <laughs> oh, uh, I was, I, oh, I was going to ask you what your favorite Kenny Chesney oh. song was, but um, <laughs> I don't have a favorite Kenny Chesney song, <laughs> yeah. but I'll leave you with my favorite radio artist story, and you may remember this. I'm broadcasting live at KVOO from the Tulsa State Fair, doing the afternoon drive from 3 to 7, and who's playing live that night at the Tulsa State Fair but Terry Clark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know where I'm going with this. So they told me Terry Clark's going to come by the booth and she's going to do an interview. I'm like, all right, that's cool. The night before, one of my kids, I don't remember, had been up all night teething. So I had been yep. up all night long, not a minute sleep. So I'm sitting at the booth at K- at the at the state fair. I got one chair and a microphone and I'm sitting in it and I'm so dog tired. They didn't tell me what time Terry was coming by because they just said Terry will come by sometime for an interview. So I play a song and I go over to the you know, booth next to me and I get a Coke because I, I need the caffeine to stay awake to interview Terry Clark. <laughs> <laughs> do you know this story? I do know this All story. All right. Yes. Uh, awesome. So I'm over there getting my Coke, and as I come back, some lady is sitting in my chair behind my <laughs> microphone. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of Terry Clark. I'd seen her on albums before. Pretty lady. But she had just got off her tour bus, and she was not the prettiest lady at that moment. <laughs> I think she was in pajamas, and she hadn't had makeup on for days. Looked totally different. <laughs> Look like a fair person. <laughs> Look like a carny. Remember, I know that Terry Clark's supposed to show up in my booth, and I walk up to this person, and I'm like, excuse me, you're in my chair. And she says, yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm on the radio. That's that's my chair. I need to do my radio show. And she's like, okay. Ma'am, again, I need you to get up out of my chair so get I can do my radio show. My chair. I'm going to call security. I, I'm sorry, sir. I was just told I was supposed to be here for an interview. And that's what I'm telling. I don't get it. What, what do you mean you're here for an interview? And I'm looking her dead in the face. I'm two feet from her, just yeah. like right here with you. And she said, I'm Terry Clark. And I was like, oh, oh, wow. Yes, you are, ma'am. Well, you know what? You just stay seated. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you would think that would be the worst part of it. No, that it's not. Exactly. Went downhill from there. It gets better. Yeah. So I was like, oh, cool. And so we'll do an interview after this song. We'll talk. And I think Dave Block was back at the station because it seemed like he was the one that thought it was the funniest thing in the world. It seemed like he was back at the station running the music and the commercials. Uh, so anyway, we come out of the commercials and music, whatever, and I introduce Terry Clark, and she's sitting here with me, and I start talking to her. And the next thing I know, <laughs> <laughs> she reaches over and wakes me up. <laughs> I smooth fell asleep. 
at the Tulsa State Fair interviewing someone that kind of resembled Terry Clark. <laughs> Riveting conversation with Terry Clark. I know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I don't think that. I snored, but I remember coming back to the station and Dave Block saying that is the funniest, funniest thing, thing I've ever heard on the radio. You fell asleep. And so I had to interview. I even later that night, I had to introduce her live on stage. And I went backstage, took some winners back there, and she was like, that was the funniest thing ever. I'll never forget you because you <laughs> fell asleep. No one's ever fallen asleep interviewing me. <laughs> That's the highlight of my career. Right, there it is right there. That's the most influential <laughs> highlight of my career, yes. Man, thank you again for coming. That, I, I had a blast. And uh, continue prayers for you and your family. Thank you. I appreciate it. My pleasure. This episode of Behind the Mic Podcast was brought to you by Mojo Merchandise. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Join us next time as we go Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton.